This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, chapter 19. We are in the midst of a set of teachings on ministering to the family, spirit, soul, and body. We began this teaching in the section on the spirit. We're now teaching on the section of the soul. Okay, And uh, the soul, we're going to have two sections within the teaching on the soul. And so this is the section one of the teaching on the soul. And we're identifying the problem. Let me get right to the goal. We want to address the questions that come with how to deal with struggles with wrong thoughts and depression in marriage after newness wears off. Things aren't what you thought they would be. Things aren't the way you would like for them to be or whatever the case might be. We want to deal and address those questions that come when you're struggling in your mind concerning your marriage. We want to address the questions that come with how to handle struggling with what you think might be midlife crisis and feeling inadequate or as if you're missing something. How to handle depressing and debilitating thoughts. And we want to address how to learn how to control your thoughts and identify when you are too hard on yourself and others. And I want to repeat this. I I made passing mention of this uh, last Sunday during our family life class. But if you are in imminent danger, you don't need to be in the same place under the same roof. And again, I want to emphasize this. This is not saying that reconciliation can't take place, but you don't want to put yourself in harm's way in the midst of getting things together. And that's all that this is about. Again, that, that's my counsel. That's my advice. You know, what's imminent danger? In my mind, if, if y'all are sleeping around on one another, no telling what you're bringing into the home. And, I, you know, we don't need that kind of drama. I, I don't need to worry about, you know, what's in my body or anything like that. I, I just and, and God forbid, you know, Someone's living in fear of, I don't know if I'm going to make it another day. Uh, one time they just might go off, you know. Those things, thank God, he's able to change people. He, re- he really is able to change people, genuine change in people. But while people are being worked on and you're in imminent danger, you don't need to stay in that danger. Okay? And so this still applies, but I want to make sure, that sometimes you have to make sure that Things are together. Because sometimes we struggle with things like that in our mind. As believers, especially if we're not taught or, you know, we're in situations we never imagined we would be in. You, you know, God said don't, don't leave them. Yeah, he's, he's talking about divorce, okay? He's talking about separation, never to come back again. And, and, in some, and in some cases, and this was gone over in the, in the spirit section as well, you know, if they're not pleased to be with you, then, you know, you're called to peace. You really are. And so I just want to make sure that that's clear in your mind so that you're not going back and forth. Well, well, you know, I'm supposed to stay here. They're telling me I'm supposed to stay here. And I'll honestly trust God. But you can trust God not under the same roof. That's just my advice, put it that way. Okay, so we set out to, for these three objectives. I want to give a proper view of faith with respect to marriage. Now, what does faith have to do with my situation? And then we were, and that's what we spent time on last week. And we're going to look at what is required in combination to your faith for every successful marriage. 
There's something else that needs to be added to your faith. And then thirdly, we're going to identify where these thoughts come from. Now, if you're in the book of Proverbs, look at Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. It says, There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. There are many devices in a man's heart. There are many things that we want, many things that we devise, many things that we map out and plan out. But I want to tell you this. It's the counsel of the Lord that's going to stand. Your dreams, your aspirations, they may not make it through. But the counsel of God will not fail. So before you act, make sure you have the counsel of God. And look at this in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. It says, without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Amen. Glory to God. Does that minister to you? You know, you're on... You're not where you want to be, and you want it to be a particular way. And without counsel, what you want is going to be disappointed. But in the multitude of counsels, there is safety. And we mentioned this. This pertains to appropriate counsel. When you lack appropriate counsel, you are in line for disappointing results. But appropriate is with respect to the source of the counsel. And the multitude means you've got to be patient with it. Amen. I, I, I love that. Because this gets us, this helps us become settled. Because we didn't get in this overnight, but we want out right now. And so what happens is we hear a piece of a message and run off on that piece. I got counsel now. But in the multitude of counsel their safety. That means, now hold on, let's make sure you've heard it all. Let's make sure you've comprehended it all before you make your move. Now, yeah, let's, let's read this real quick. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Very quickly in way of review. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. We wanted you to hear the words of your Lord. He says in Matthew 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we took this and we said, you know what? You serve a Lord who wants to give you rest. But this rest, we have to understand, this rest is a rest from the internal damage of sin. This is peace on the inside. And I want to make sure that you understand this. Christ has come through. Just say amen. Christ has come through. He has not failed. He has delivered to you peace with God. It is yours. It is yours if you belong to him. And you hold on to that. Because what happens is now that you have that internal peace, now you are in line to have peace in addition to that. Now, now if there's any other place you ought to have peace, 
in addition to internal peace, it ought to be in marriage. It is his institution. Now, a lot of times we can get involved with institutions the guy has nothing to do with. But when you get involved with the institution of marriage, marriage is honorable and all. He that findeth the wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. God is pro-marriage. And so if you should have peace in addition to internal peace, you ought to be able to have that peace in marriage. But I want you to know, Christ has delivered on his end of the bargain. So as soon as you turn your life over to him, you have peace with God. You have found rest for your soul. But your faith puts you in position for this other rest that you're looking for. Now, we won't go here, but we looked at Exodus chapter 17, and we saw the Israelites fight a battle against the Amalekites. Now, I want to make sure that you understand this. Israel had already been called out by God to be his people. But here come the Amalekites, and they want to challenge those to whom God was giving rest. And here's the thing about it. They challenged the Israelites, and God's people were not going to give in. And I like this because God didn't want them to give in. They were going to fight. They were going to fight. Amen. They weren't just going to give in. They weren't just going to say, oh, you know what, this is too tough. It's too hard. And again, I'm confident in this. I am confident, especially with Moses leading them. They had prayed to God. They sought God. And, you know, we always like to go to Jehoshaphat and the battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. God said, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You've got to put everything in this proper place. Some battles, make sure you understand this, prayer is essential. Prayer is essential. Don't discount prayer. First, there had to be prayer so that you can reach God. And when you reach God, you know what? Sometimes he's going to say, I'll give you the strategy, but you've got to work it. And I don't want you to give in. I don't want you to give up. So when you go to him, what he does is he gives you strategy. Don't you understand this now in the multitude of counselors? But no, I want to answer right now. I want, I want the Malachites to go down now. God's like, some things you've got to work. Some things you've got to fight. Fight. They had to. And in these things, you're going to have to. But the message of God is clear at this battle. Hold up the rod. Hold up the rod. And I get this because this is such interesting strategy. God, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold up the rod. Hold up the rod and fight. Because if you don't hold up the rod, you're going to lose. You'll get disappointed results. But hold up that rod and there's victory there. And I want to make sure you understand, that rod is the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, because that rod was what the Israelites looked to. Not what the Malachites looked to. See, the people of God looked to the Lord and their strength. And so here you are, you're a person of faith. See, because we're, we're dealing with, what does my faith have to do with this situation? It has much to do with it, but I want to make sure you understand, you've got to hold up the rod in the midst of the fight. And that rod is in Jesus. That rod is not in any other thing. Amen. 
So hold up the rod. And when you hold up the rod, you know what you're doing when you hold up the rod? You're trusting God. You're trusting His method. You know, there might be other books out there that say, this is what you need to do. But God said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not with the philosophies of this world. I've got a strategy that wins every time. Hold up the rod. Do not let it go. Here's what happens to people too many times. They run across challenges, and then they run from the place where God gives them the counsel. I don't know how many times we tell people this. Listen in them, family. You know, they, they won't counsel. What do we need to do? And the multitude of counsels, there's safety. You, you want to answer right now. That solves everything. And what you need to do is hear what God has to say. You know, we got to trust God to give messages in family life class. We don't know what's going on with you, but God knows. And he's depending upon you to hold up the rod. And look to that rod for the victory. But you want other methods. It doesn't work that way. But when you hold up the rod, it works for those who are of the faith. Now, we will look at this in First Peter. This is where we dropped off. First Peter chapter 1. This is where we left off on last week. First Peter chapter 1. Verses 5 through 9. Well, actually, let's start at verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time wherein ye greatly rejoice though now for a season if need be ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ uh, again does this not minister to you about holding up the rod. He says, yeah, you're in heaviness. You're in manifold temptations. But you remember what Christ has done. He's the one who's keeping you. Verse 7 again. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love. In whom, though now you see him not yet believing, Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith. Here's the end of your faith. Even the salvation of your souls. I love that scripture because it always brings us home. What is my faith for? I've heard too much junk over my time in the faith of people believing for this, people believing for that. What about just believing that he saved me? What about believing that if nothing else, my soul is secure? So I don't care what goes on. See, that's that internal piece. I don't care what goes on on the outside. I don't see because he doesn't mention anything external here outside of manifold heaviness and temptations. He he, he doesn't say you're going to have everything go your way. Every day is going to be Friday. He, he doesn't say anything like that. 
You can confess it until you... He doesn't say anything like that. He says, no matter what goes on, remember this Christ has come through. That's why, you, though you see Him not, you love Him. While other people fail you, while institutions don't work out the way you want them to work out for you, Christ never disappoints. But the point of this I want you to see is that your faith is for salvation. Your faith is for redemption. Your faith is not for your marriage. But your marriage needs your faith. You get that. You see, because I want, I want, see, I want to encourage people as well. Now, now, we're ministering to a particular audience, but some people have had marriages that have not worked out. But you know what? God's like, hey, but your soul is good. <laughs> You're not a failure. Hallelujah. Glory to you. And you're more than a conqueror. Through him, through him who loves you. So some things might not work out. But that doesn't mean that Christ has not come through. But your faith is for salvation. So now everything in my life, it was tainted by sin. But now that I have peace on the inside with God. Now that Christ has come through. Now everything in my life can now be influenced by Christ. See, outside of faith, where is your hope? But in faith, hold up that rod. Hold up that rod. Others don't have that rod. The Malachites didn't have that rod to look to. And they lost. But you have that rod. You have the Lord Jesus Christ who is faithful. And now he can influence everything else if you allow him to. You must allow Christ the influence in your life. Hey, I'm getting back to this point. You've got to trust him. You just have to trust him. Oh, my goodness. It's just, I think we made reference of this before. You go to the doctor and, the doc- and you have an ailment. And the doctor says, I'm going to prescribe this for you. And the doctor says, take it all. But I feel better. Take it all. And then on the other side, as soon as we start taking it, we're like, is this thing working? Keep taking it. Keep taking it. (laughs) But so many of us, right, we stop. And then later on we pay the price because we didn't continue on and we wonder why. You see, because the doctor did their job. And the medicine is going to work, but you've got to allow it to work. And so God is going to give you the strategy by his word. And when he gives you the strategy by his word, guess what? That first pill, it may not feel better. You may still be ailing. There might still be pains. But take the next pill. I still don't feel better. Take the next pill. (laughs) Take the next pill. And if you give place to God, then suddenly, before you know it, you'll be singing songs of victory and telling others, trust Him. Amen. Trust Him. So faith works in marriage, but your faith is not in the marriage. Your faith is in God's ability to redeem you. But I want you to know, Christ has come through. You do have peace with God. Amen. You do have peace with God. Now, you may not have peace in the marriage. 
you may not feel at peace with your spouse. And we want that to improve. That's why we're here. We want that to improve. I believe God wants that to improve. This is His institution. And I want to say this as an aside as well. Sometimes you've got to say things like this. Your peace with your spouse is not going to be greater than your peace with God. It shouldn't be. If, you're, if you have more peace with your spouse than you are with God, something's upside down. Something's not right. And so I'll say this. Don't be jealous of God. <laughs> you just had an argument and here they are. They're going to God as if everything is all right. Don't be jealous of God. It doesn't mean they don't love you. It just means that you can't deliver the kind of peace that God delivers. And be all right with it. After all, he gave us the benefit of marriage. That a lot of us were so eager to get into. But there are many devices in man's heart. But it's the counsel of the Lord that's going to stand. And so, we, so nevertheless, we want you to have peace in marriage. We really do. You should have peace in marriage. Now, you have peace with God. We want you to have peace in your marriage. And this is going to become clear as we go forward. But peace with God does not negate the principles at work in the earth. See, once you have peace with God, guess what? Gravity still works. <laughs> I believe I can find. No, you can't. Not without the aid of an airplane. <laughs> no, gravity still works. If, if you take fire to your bosom after you have peace with God, guess what? You're going to get burned. So, so though you have peace with God, you gotta, gotta, and you'll see this as we go forward, it does not negate the principles that are already at work. And don't you know God framed it? God framed these principles. He put them in place. Put them in place for a purpose. Put them in place for a reason. And you're not going to get by these principles. Now, you're a person of faith. I told you that faith is for salvation. Your faith is not for your marriage, but your faith is needed in the marriage. Now, if I'm a person of faith, my faith can be seen in my submission to the will of God. We're talking about the place of faith. If I'm an individual of faith, then my faith can be seen in my submission to the will of God. And my faith and the evidence of my faith should be consistent no matter what state I'm in. We're going somewhere here, right? See, because Christ has come through. <laughs> if my faith is in salvation, my faith is in redemption, I don't need to change no matter what goes on on the outside. So as a result of the internal peace, the peace I have with God, I can remain the same, though I don't like the position I'm in. Again, this is a result of the internal peace that you have through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a wonderful scripture. It says, mercy and truth have met. Righteousness and peace have kissed. 
I want you to understand, the only thing that can disturb that internal peace is if you continue in unrighteousness and refuse to repent. Outside of that, it's solid. Amen. Glory to God. Ah, it's solid. So don't get it confused. Peace is not found in your emotions. Ooh, please hold on to that. See, because sometimes our emotions try to tell us ah, you, what you have is no good. Why? Because emotions are moved by things that happen on the outside. So don't get confused. Hallelujah. When he saved you, when he redeemed you, he redeemed your spirit. He's working on your soul. But what's going on is he does not touch your emotions. Uh, you, you didn't get that, did you? He translates you. He changes your position. He translates you out of the kingdom of darkness and puts you in the kingdom of his beloved son. You have a new position. You were alienated in your mind by evil works, but now has he reconciled to himself. See, you, you change positions. You don't have to have emotions to change positions. You know, some people don't think they say, because I didn't cry up a river when I got saved. Whether you cried or not, whether you were happy or whether you were just even, salvation came to you without regard to the emotion. So that internal peace that you have is not dictated by your emotions. Don't get it. See, here's what happens. He translates you. And once we understand where we have or what we have and where we've been placed through the Lord Jesus Christ, then our emotions can go to work. But emotions are fickle. Because you come out of here shouting and screaming, glory to God, what a message. And then you get with your spouse and you're ready to throw something against the wall. The Christ has come through. <laughs> Amen? You comprehend this. You, you understand this. So, my faith can be seen, seen in my submission, and I'm supposed to be consistent no matter what, and I can be consistent because of what Christ has done. So my emotions, they can go up and down, but my response is always to be constrained, always to be regulated by that internal peace. Always in peace with God. Amen. I, I, I do enjoy this. Now, whether, I'm, whether my pockets are fat or all I can pull out is lint, I can stay the same. See, what has happened on the inside is real. Whether, here we go, whether my mom or my daddy get on my nerves or whether they cooperate with what I want, I can be the same. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. I don't have to answer them like I'm a no good child. <laughs> Hallelujah. Did I say that right? You feel me? See, if I'm a person of faith, I can remain the same. Whether I'm hungry or whether I ate myself fat and happy, I can stay the same. 
whether I'm in a situation that I enjoy. Hallelujah. Oh, whether I'm in a situation, I really, really, I really don't want to be here. I really don't like where I am. I really don't like what's going on, but I can stay the same. My faith is seen. My faith is especially seen in those times when the situations are unfavorable. See, it's real easy to say, I'm a person of faith, and the sun is shining. It's the right temperature. It's not too hot. You know, your pockets are fat. You know, the bills aren't due. It's real easy to be a person of faith then. Uh, but now, here you are. I wanted marriage. I'm in marriage. Now I don't like what's going on in marriage. You can still remain the same. Oh, here we go. Hold up the rod. Hold up the rod. That's the Old Testament. Hey, he's ministering to you. You search the scriptures. For in them you think you have life, but they testify of the one you're supposed to be looking to. I can just hear Christ. If you had an audience with Christ, Christ, what do I do? He said, no, I did my part. I did my part. Keep looking to me. Come unto me, all ye that labor. And a heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But I will give you rest as you allow. Uh, did I not do enough? Was my blood not sufficient? Was my obedience unto death no good? Hold up the rod. Trust the Lord. So whether unmarried or married, I can remain the same. So as a married individual, that's who we're talking to specifically, but again, this applies outside of just marriage. It applies outside of just marriage. What Christ has done is, is sufficient. Sufficient. Oh, Let me keep moving forward. So as a married individual, the result of my faith should be the aroma of Christ in the marriage. Hallelujah. Glory to you. Now, I'm, a, I'm a person of smells. I'll I just have you know that right now. I'm a person of smell. I walk in the house. The first thing I do is smell. And I'm amazed. Sometimes in my household, I'm, I'm like, y'all don't smell it? I'm like, no, we don't smell it. And I'm like, no. So, therefore, I'm a candle person. So I like to burn candles. Why? Because I like sweet aromas. See, I don't care if no one in the house recognizes the importance of aromas. I do. So I might be the only individual of faith in this situation. But if there's going to be any good smell, it's going to come from me. It's going to come from me. Why? Because of what he's done. He's come through. Because he's come through, there ought to be some good smells in my house. There ought to be the aroma of Christ in my house. After all, I'm the person of faith. But faith cannot abide alone. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, we're going to read quite a bit of this just because it's, it's supposed to be read together. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 
22. Now, I'll have you to know, this is an epistle. This is a letter. This letter is written to believers. This letter is written to people of faith. This letter is written to people who have internal peace. Those who have come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And starting at verse 22, he's going to talk to people of faith who are in marriage. So this is for you. Verse 22 says, Wives, wives of faith, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, I don't, and I didn't mean to spend time on your own husbands, and I won't spend much time on it, but when you talk about other men more than your own husband, about what you're doing behind what other men say, uh, you're the cause of a problem. But wives of faith, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, now, and I, I, I'm going to add some adjectives to this so you can understand. Wives of faith, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, whether he's of the faith or not, as unto the Lord. I don't like your translation, brother. Well, let's, let's just keep reading. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives of faith be to their own husbands in everything. Now, husbands of faith, I got a word for you. You know, while you're sitting up there cheering, yeah, that's right, God. You listen to this wife? And Jesus said, well, well, God says, let me turn to you. I got, I got a word for you. Husbands of faith, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, this is what I like about God. He, he sets the bar high. And you know how he sets the bar high? He doesn't tell you. He's already shown you. I gave you an example. Now, live up to that example. So husbands of faith, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself. Ooh, I like this phrase. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. Now he that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord of the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Not like he comes back to verse 33, because he's like, I, I'm, I made two basic statements here. And I added a lot to it so you can understand why I made the two basic statements. But here's what it comes down to. Verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular, so every one of you, if you're a person of faith, this is applying to you. Let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife, see that she reverence her husband. It comes down to those two things. Husbands, love your wife. Wives, Reverence your husband. You know what he's saying? You've got to work at it. You've got to work at it. Amen. Glory to God. Married people all over the world can say, yeah, you've got to work at that. 
Because sometimes you don't feel like loving them. Sometimes you don't feel like reverencing them. But, 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 but here it is. There's a rod that's being held up. And you're supposed to look to those rods. And those times, they don't, they don't seem so lovely. The rod says love them. And the times, they don't seem to be acting worthy of reverence. He says, reverence them. How do I do that? Well, well you, can't, you can't just pray it. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, God. I just want to pray and you understand I love. No, no, no. You got to show some love. You got to do something. You got to put your hands to the work. Because these are action words. Love is an action. I know how we get sometimes. You know I love you. Love is an action. Demands an action. Hmm. Reverence. Reverence demands some action. <laughs> when you you got to show respect. You can't just say you have respect. Work is required. We're going to get started with this because we got to. Here's what you need to understand. You need to understand the principle of sow and reap. What did I say before? The peace you have with God does not negate the principles that are already at work in the earth. Here's what we want. We want all the reaping, but none of the sowing. Now we spent, as a ministry, quite a bit of time on the truth about the tithe. And our pastor broke down the principle of sowing and reaping. And we're just going to review some of that quickly. But one of the things about the principle of sowing and reaping is that it is a faith-building principle. And I love that. It is a faith-building principle. You know what building does? Uh, Building takes time to get done. (laughs) So it's a faith-building principle. And it's a principle by which... God provides for my life. So if I'm going to allow Christ to influence, I've got to operate on the principle of sowing reap that He can provide for my life. So in other words, when I don't operate in the principle of sowing reap and I want something from God and I wonder why it's not provided, because maybe I miss this principle. So I need to grab a hold of this principle and understand this principle. Now, there are other principles at play. There are other principles at play, without a doubt. But this one is critical for the situation we're ministering to right now. It's critical that you understand. So, there are other principles at play. For instance, in all honesty, you really can't be a good steward until you've grasped the principle of sowing reap. In marriage, in all honesty, you don't have much to work with if you don't first grasp the principle of sowing and reap. So there are the principles at play, but this one is critical if I want to overcome the disappointments when it comes to marriage. In all honesty, if I want to overcome the disappointments in any family relationship, I've got to understand this principle of sowing and reap. Because here's the thing about the principle of sowing and reap. Work is a commandment. 
under the principle of sow and reap. Work is a commandment under the principle of sow and reap. Psalm 128. Psalm 128. Just the first two verses of Psalm 128. Verse 1 says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. Blessed. You know, we've been in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. And you understand the blessed are the righteous. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways, for thou shalt eat. Is that the end of that verse? For thou shalt eat. Thank God I eat. I'm blessed. I eat. Well, how do you eat? Thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Oh, did you catch that? You know, we glorify God about the eating. But before there's eating, there's got to be some labor. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. This is the rod being held up. You better look to the rod. <laughs> you better look to that rod. See, if you want to eat, see, see, you want to eat the good of the land, but you haven't labored. There's nothing to eat because you haven't labored. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Why did he have to put labor in that verse? Because there's a principle that is at work, even though you now have peace with God, is not negated. Work is a requirement. Work is a commandment under the principle of sow and reap. Let's look at this in Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8. front of the book. Why is it so hard for me to get there? Genesis chapter 8. This is this is the word of God. His word is true. This is when I say this is the promise, this is the, the word of God, this is the truth of God, this is really the promise of God because he speaks it. So in Genesis 8 and 22 it says, while the earth remaineth seed time and harvest cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Seed time and harvest is a, refer- uh, is a reference to sow and reap. He, he said it. He says, as long as the earth remains, there's going to be sowing and reaping. There, there will be seed time and harvest. So when we talk about the principle of sow and reap, here's sow. Sow is done in seed time. So sow in seed time represents the work put in for a future return. You know, my wife has a garden and it takes time after she plants for the fruit to come up. It's just the way it is. But there's got to be work done in order to have a future return. So that's so. Reap. Reaping is done in the time of harvest. Seed time and harvest. 
So you reap at harvest time. And what, what does it mean to reap? That is the work together, the return from the work put in. Uh, let me say that again because I don't think you caught that. It is the work together, <laughs> the return from the work put in. You've got to work at both ends. You've got to work in the sow. You've got to work in the reap. But here's the thing about working in the reap. It's a, t- a different type of work when you work in it to reap. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, there has to be work in the marriage. We're talking about, now, now we're talking about what has to accompany your faith. For every successful marriage, there is seed time and harvest. There is sow and reap. There's work at the front end, and there's work, good work. Enjoyable work at the back end. But there has to be work in the marriage. And we'll get started with this next time, but I want to make these statements. The principle of sow and reap says, I will reap based on what I sow. I will get the benefits of the proper work that I put in. Or I will suffer from the wrong effort or lack thereof put in. And I'll end it on this note. You get to you get to wrap your own gift. Amen. Glory to your name. You know, I think about this, and I got to stop here. But I think about the difference in men and women. You know, especially Christmas time, we have a men's gifts exchange and a women's gift exchange. You can see a difference in how the gifts are packaged. <laughs> so when I say you get to wrap your own gift, I'm talking about the ladies now. We, we get to wrap our own gift as if we are the ladies at the time of the women's of covenant gift exchange. You, you, you get it decked out, or you get it like the men give it. I'm out of time. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.